Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earl. Hey, we're here today with Dennis Liam Murphy talking about blame. Our lives are steeped in blame. It's all over the place, especially in our families. When anything is going a way that we perceive as bad or wrong or something that we don't want to be happening, we immediately look for reasons why. And we even do this for our other family members or our friends or teenagers, especially saying, hey, well, this is happening because it's your friends who are influencing you. It's just because of that stupid coach who did what Whatever that was, it's just because you're sick. That's why you weren't able to do this. Of course, you're struggling with history because you got the worst teacher this year. We really got to talk to her. Or we got to complain to the school or whatever it is. We are always looking for something to blame when things aren't going the way we think they should. And while this impulse to point the finger is natural and human and extraordinarily commonplace, it's also something that we need to become more aware of. Because so much of the time, blame is going by under the radar. We immediately jump to searching for the culprit whenever we realize that something's not going our way and we don't even recognize that we're doing it. And when we start to become more aware of the blame and understanding more about how it works and why it's there, we can get to a deeper level of honesty with ourselves and with the people around us. When that happens, life becomes much more effortless. We are diving deep into all of that today on the podcast with Dennis Murphy, the author of the new book, The Blame Game. Dennis is a coach and healer who's worked with companies, families, couples, and people all over the world for decades. He helps people to heal and to reach deeper levels of connection in our relationships with others and with ourselves. The things that he teaches may not be easy, but they are simple. What is the blame game and how does it play out in our lives and in our families? We're going to find out. Dennis, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I cannot wait. We have known each other for a while now. Yeah, we, I've been yeah. really in working through these ideas that you present in both in the book and in my own life. This has been just really the ideas that we're going to talk about today have helped me so much in my life and I think will be very helpful to so many families out there. So I'm so excited that the book is finally coming out and that we can get here and share it with our listeners. Beautiful. Thank you. What? is the blame game the name of the book is the blame game why did you spend 10 years thinking about the idea of blame and working on a book about blame well everyone knows about blame everyone knows about the blame game and everyone has their opinion on it and i was no different and before i'd even started my awareness journey i knew about it and i knew i blamed a lot but i didn't think that there was anything to even consider because it's just something that I'd accepted is a normal part of life. 
And it wasn't until I just started to go on my own self-awareness journey around the world and learn so many different things from so many different people about how we self-heal, how we can become more aware, how we can become more spiritual and all of this stuff to be a better person. I did all of that really intensively, but I did feel like it was always finding different ways to control and I was still blaming myself for so much. And I was still blaming everyone else in my life for being the reason I'm not happy. And I can't remember the moment, but I just, when you blame, you immediately become a victim. You go into that victim mindset. Mm. And then I could look back and go, oh, I'm the biggest victim I know in my life. And that gave me the fuel to then go on another journey around the world unpacking myself from that angle. So it was a very selfish star. It was all about me. I needed to heal. And that was what drove me into all of these weird and wonderful ways of healing. But it was only until I realized the impact of blame and how it turns into a victim yeah. that I got interested. I even notice, I find just thoughts of blame coming up, even just small kind of things, like as kind of a way to like let myself off the hook for things like, oh, well, no, I was just an asshole to my friend because I'm so stressed out and spent such a long day or because we keep doing whatever to me. And no, it's because of this thing that happened or it's because of the way that you just said that to me. And of course I snapped at you or whatever. It's a way to like maintain this version of myself that's like, oh, it's not me. It's because I'm awesome. I'm yeah, not an yeah. asshole. And yeah. I think that we do that in so many ways throughout our day and throughout our lives as kind of just, yeah, almost a way to take it easy on ourselves sometimes. Yeah. And what's really interesting about what you just described there is you said when you're stressed, that's when you're snapped. Yeah. And so what you'll realize now, I'm going to say this, is that you have will have the most argument stress in your life when you're physically tired. So you've had a long gym session, you've gone for a run, you're, you know, you've had a late night, you've been yeah. drinking, whatever it is, long day at work. Oh, yeah. It means you haven't got the energy anymore to keep the rug mm. on top of all of your stuff. Yeah, your yeah. ability to control your honesty isn't there anymore. <laughs> right. So that's when your honesty shoots to the surface. And now you're, you know, now you're telling people how you honestly feel. Mm. As much as that might make you feel bad, it, yeah, it basically creates a situation where the more you, you're in that blame cycle and you try and control it, it creates more stress, not less, which then seeps into your family. I just think that part of the problem that we have in families or why we feel like we have, I think, difficulty sometimes with relationships in our family, it's like, oh, it seems like, yeah, it's easy to have just a small, you know, talk conversation with someone during the day, you're only going to see them for a half hour, or you just have lunch with someone and you can keep yourself together for, for this little bit of time when you're talking to your boss or you're having lunch with so, so your person that annoys you or something. And, you know, you can kind of just like keep a be nice and keep a smiley face, but your family, your kids are with you all the time and they see you at your worst or like you're saying they see you at the end of that long day yeah. after you've been just you know we're up all super early in the morning you've been rushing around you had all this work to do and now you know a lot of times our family members are seeing us when we are our most stressed out and tired and at our worst and, and aren't able to keep the lid on our feelings anymore
And that they, if you want to go into a bit more of the philosophy that I'm offering, the other reason why family becomes a lot more stressful, if you like, is because of the labels that come with family. Mm. So a lot of the discussion around labels doesn't take into account that mum, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter are labels. And each one of those labels comes with a conscious and unconscious list of what they should and shouldn't do. Mm, yeah. And so actually what's happening in families everywhere, but what's happening in families, people are talking to the labels in their life. They're not talking to the person behind the label. Mm. Very few people know the people behind the label because they were brought up with just interacting with mum, just interacting with daughter. And that in itself will create such conflict because they're not matching your ideal. And the question is, where did that ideal mother, father, son, daughter come from? Mm. And yeah. so we're all trying to be this perfect ideal version that actually doesn't exist. It's just what Hollywood told you or a TV showed you how it should be. Yeah, right. There is no universal way that you should and should behave. So when I'm working with clients, as uh, parents, they're so stressed but they don't realize they're stressed because they're not matching a fake ideal right. of what they should be. And that's what creates a lot of the blame. Yeah, I would be that perfect mom that I'm supposed to be if only it weren't for that and it weren't for that and this other thing and then you, it's your fault. Yeah, even when I run corporate programs and I take people through that idea of labels, you know, and you're angry with your boss, you're not angry with Claire, it's uh... the boss that you're angry with because they're not matching your ideal of what this ideal boss should be. But it's that ideal comes from such a narrow paradigm of possibility around what that person should and shouldn't do. You don't realize that they might be acting in a way to save your job. So that's why they might not be as friendly as they were last month. And so we have all these projections that I'm offering, that they're all blame-based. And that's what creates the physical and emotional tension and the mental illness that we're seeing today. I can't help but wonder now if we start to recognize all this blame in our lives and how we're just blaming situations and blaming other people is the alternative to that, that we have to blame ourselves. that it's a, that, that means if it's not anybody else's fault that we're stressed out and losing our composure, that means that it's just us. We're just, it's our fault. And you hear that, don't you? You hear that so often from the motivational gurus nowadays, you know, the, whenever they talk about blame or victimhood, it's always along the lines of, don't blame anyone, it's all your fault, so you take control and you just, you know, create the life that you want, and it's don't be a victim, and it's all that very masculine, gung-ho, control it, conquer it, get rid of it, and just power on through. That's exhausting. And it also, what they don't realize they're doing is that they're basically they're saying, don't blame anyone, just blame yourself. Yeah, yeah, right. And that literally will make you insane because now not only are you still unconsciously blaming everyone else, you're not allowing yourself to acknowledge it and you're mm. doubling up on your own. So that's why there's so much imposter syndrome. That's why there's so much anger issues. That's why there's so much self-hatred because everyone's been told it's your fault for messing up in life. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's another should and shouldn't that gets even stacked on top of. So I should be this perfect parent who's always patient and has an equanimous or whatever, has always says the right thing and knows what to do and say and keeps my cool. You should be this amazing child who's, you know, respectful and works hard and, you know, treats me this great way. And if that's not happening, which makes me mad, but no, but I shouldn't be feeling like that. And now that's all my fault, but now I am blaming you, but I shouldn't be blaming you. So instead I should be blaming myself. So now it gives us another layer of things to that we shouldn't be feeling or shouldn't be doing that we then just kind of reflect back on ourselves and a whole like never ending cycle. And so that's why I say we are swimming in blame, mm -hmm. like a fish in water, and we don't realize it. We, did, we really don't realize that blame is in pretty much every conversation we have. Yeah. And so that the way you just described it, it was, you know, it's hectic the way you were just talking. It's like yeah. blame here and blame there. And it's like, and that's going on all the time. Constantly. And yes, you might have those moments where you can control it. Yeah. But it's still going on unconsciously behind the scenes. Mm. And that's when the passive aggressive jabs come out. That's when the subtle blame bombs get thrown. And it's like, right. why are you getting upset? I'm just, you know, I'm just joking. And actually, you know, there's a lot of truth in that comment. Uh, yeah. And so again, everyone's like poking the bear, just waiting for someone to blow up. So then the blame comes out. So this is why we need to get lots of rest and, you know, meditate and really keep ourselves super centered so that we can always not get to that point of being all stressed out and losing it. And again, all of those things that you've said, they're great coping mechanisms. They're a great escapism. And that's why someone will meditate for 10 minutes or then 20 minutes twice a day and then half an hour and then an hour. And now they're looking to meditate two hours if they can because right. they're escaping reality. So all the time that they can even go to the gym or go on their walk, their trek, their yoga, their session, their meditation, it's all great. It's all healthy. Like anything, is it turned into a distraction? Mm. Are you doing that instead of the actual real healing that needs to take place? And that's basically what the book's about, or the whole philosophy is about, is I did all of those coping mechanisms, and they helped me carry on. They helped me survive another day, another week, another month. But it was getting to the point I couldn't handle it anymore. Mm. And it was only until I started to honestly heal that my life then reflected that back, coming so much more peaceful, harmonious, and effortless. And that's what I want to help people with. One of the things I really noticed from working on this book with you and working with you in person was just really how I didn't give myself permission to feel a lot of emotions mm -hmm. or and I would mislabel my emotions kind of or just mostly I was making, you know, I was labeling a lot of emotions as anxiety or yeah, I'm stressed out or I am just, you know, just got a lot going on right now. I'm really stressed out instead of like really allowing myself to feel more complicated emotions and be more connected to myself emotionally. And I wonder if that's common or if other people have ex similar experiences that you work with as well? Yes. What I realized is that, that there were, even when you go through some meditation practices, they will say, listen to your body. And But what I realized when I was doing that, before I knew about 
the whole blame thing. And there's a lot of people out there that are very prominent in the new age spiritual circle that will tell you that your thoughts aren't your own. And -hmm. they will teach you how to just let those pass through you or you just let them go. And what they don't realize is that is blame. And they don't realize that you're missing out on a healing opportunity. Because the idea is to use our thoughts, even if we think they're ugly and they're painful and are uncomfortable, they're designed to help you find out where the blame, the victim, and the fear is being held in. So what I felt is that if you just tell someone to feel their body, they can't do it because there isn't enough context of what they're supposed to be doing in that moment. So obviously it would take a lot more of an explanation than we've got here. But to keep it simple, it is about getting better at a skill of listening to your physical body. So if you think of your daughter or your son and it creates a tension in your stomach, the skill is to be able to get better at listening to that tightness in your stomach and just observing it without trying to get rid of it or blaming it for being a bad... That's what's so alien. Because we're constantly being told that our mind and our body is malfunctioning. And it's the greatest myth we've ever been sold. Mm. Because your mind and your body are working tirelessly together to help you heal. But because of our blame addiction, we've been taught for thousands of years to see it as malfunctioning, as broken, that something needs fixing. And that is why people can't feel, because they're constantly trying to fix something Mm. that isn't broken. That's so counterintuitive to the way we've been trained. And that's why the listening process, the feeling process takes a little bit of time. But okay, but what about things that are really obviously broken, like a broken arm, or if you, you know, hurt your knees, just sprained, and you can't walk, there's obvious, clearly some, you know, some things that really, we do need to fix, right? Yeah, and that's the, so when I, when someone comes to me, and they've got either a chronic condition that might be classed as incurable, or they've got a broken bone, that's obviously acute, that's just happened, I will still treat them both in the same way. Because I can see how, for example, when I was working with a client who had back pain and, you know, the doctors would say it's a slip disc, there's some degenerative disc erosion there as well, maybe, you know, arthritis, and they're giving him all of these application labels of what it could be. And one, I helped him with his blame against his father. And already when I helped him with that, his pain subsided maybe 80, 90%. And then when he came back months later and there was pain there again, I asked him what he's doing in his life. And it was actually that he was going to go on a trip that he didn't want to go on. And that's the big thing we don't realize with our physical body is the body will help you out of situations. It will give you excuse. So how many times have you not wanted to go to work and you've got a cold leading up to that or i've had people as crazy as it sounds that have planned to go on a like a stag do but they really don't want to and so they've literally days before sprained an ankle or broken a arm Mm. which means they can't go and do what they if they were being honest with themselves didn't want to do so to answer your question yes the bone might be broken but it can heal so much quicker when you realize you don't need to fix the arm. You need to realize what was the honest reason the arm broke. Look at it that way. It's almost like reverse engineering it. 
Once you look at it like that, the body can now heal in timeframes that you will think is impossible because you're not trying to fix the bone. You realize the body was helping you with something, and that in itself is a completely different way of looking at healing. As part of this panel a couple of weeks back for the parents and just talking about how a lot of times our teens are trying to maybe tell us things or share feelings with us. And it's hard to know whether it's something that we should really, you know, like entertain or whether it's just kind of something that, you know, they're trying to get out of something or you know, even just something like a stomach ache. And hey, you know, my daughter is really she's complaining this morning, she doesn't feel well, you know, she's got a stomach ache. And, you know, so some of the parents were saying, well, so you have to yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you want to, you know, be have empathy and talk about that and stuff. But you know, you ought to know. It's like, well, she's just trying to get out of that test she has in history today. You know, no, 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 no. You're going to school. You know, <laughs> and um, I think that it's like what you're talking about, where there is some sort of maybe deeper reason why these things are going on. And I think even the parents in this group were kind of we're picking up on that. That a lot of times there's something physical that's going on, but there's really a deeper maybe reason why that's happening. And I wonder, like. Like if you're in that situation and you see something like that happening, like how should we respond as a parent when the daughter does have a stomach ache and we know there's a test today in history or something like, you know, is the answer to, you know, say, okay, great, you don't have to go to school or how do we balance that or respond to something like that? Yeah. And obviously when those types of scenarios are suggested, there's obviously so many different elements to consider. You know, you don't know if that's the 10th time that the daughter has done that. To answer that, Specifically, there would need to be a lot more context. Yeah, so yeah. for me to answer it in a general sense, when parents come to me with similar types of scenarios and they say to me, so what should I do? What should I do? Yeah. And I say, my role isn't to tell you what to do or how to parent. My role is to help you get to know you better. And once you know you better, then your environment, your ecosystem, your family becomes more harmonious. And I think that's the other thing with, parenting, it, a lot of it is externally focused. Mm -hmm. So people are coming, parents come to me and they ask me, can I fix their son or daughter? When anyone says that to me, I say, I can help them, but I'm going to help you first. Mm, yeah, right. Because I've seen it too many times now where the parent changes and the kids just naturally change after that. Yeah. And that's why I like working with teachers, because it's the same thing. When the teacher changes, mm. all the children in the classroom feed off that different energy from the teacher. Totally, yeah. So that's one of the most uncomfortable things for parents to learn from me and my philosophy, which is I'm saying on some level, if I'm going to really generalize, if that daughter is in pain and they don't want to go and do a history test, I would say to the mother, if it was the mother telling me this, mm. I would say, what are you looking to avoid? What are you not doing? What are you acting like you've got a pain as an excuse to not go out Friday night or to go on the holiday or to do your own test that you've got? Because I see everything as a reflection. Yeah. And can get really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. oh, this is about my daughter. Wait, hold on. <laughs> exactly. And so when I get them to describe the things they don't like about their daughter, yeah. and I say something like, you've just described yourself, 
the defenses go up in no way. No, no, my back. I really do have back pain. This is not, yeah, no. Is... Yeah, and even the characteristics. Mm. My daughter's so stubborn. She's so mm. rude. And then to think that you're stubborn and you can be rude seems abhorrent. And that's the defensiveness that comes in. But once I get the parents to really appreciate that mirror effect, that reflection, the relationship with the children completely change because they start looking at themselves, not in a blame, but in that healing way that I take you through. And then once you, once that healing takes place, the daughter stops reflecting back that trait you don't like about yourself. Mm. And then the harmony arrives in the household. I think that's just so often where we find ourselves as parents is we're trying to fix what's wrong with our kids or, you know, where all we can do is look at them and see like these problems and these issues. And what, how do I handle this? What do I do about that? And we don't think that it has anything to do with us. This is because I'm awesome. I'm fine. Everything's fine with me. It's uh, I'm a great parent. I'm pretty patient and stuff like that. It's, this is an issue with my child. I've spent a lot of time in nature in all different places around the world. Yeah. And I know that's helped me so much. And what I realized at some point, the more time I spent in nature, I realized there's no blame in nature. Uh... So that's why it can flourish so effortlessly when we're not part of it. Because otherwise, it would be like the tree blaming the flower or the mushroom for doing something wrong. And it's like, no, the tree knows what the tree's doing. The mushroom knows what the mushroom's doing, and mm. all the elements are doing their own thing, but they all are symbiotically working together yeah. and adapting. And arguably, that's the complete opposite to a family. Mm. It's like you're going into that ecosystem, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, as opposed to realizing there's something going on in the ecosystem yeah. that needs addressing. Mm. And all I'm offering is what needs to be addressed is that, blame addiction that I'm saying we've inherited for thousands of years. And once that is no longer in the ecosystem, it flourishes just like nature flourishes because there's no blame over there. We're here today with Dennis Murphy talking about what happens when we become more aware of the blame that is all over the place in our lives and in our families. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. A lot of this rhetoric around self-limiting beliefs, around self-sabotage, around all of these negative patterns, they're not true. What it is, we're just not good at actually being honest with ourselves and doing what we honestly want. And that's the journey that we've got to get used to, is we can still be in a job that we don't, don't want to be in. I've been in many jobs I don't want to be in, but my need for the money... So again, it's just that balance. It wasn't until I became an entrepreneur 19 years ago that I really started to discover mm. who I really am. Because I'm obviously saying we're, we've got this blame thing going on, then we're blaming ourselves constantly for being a bad parent. And so we then overcompensate by then trying to control our children and that's when it gets complicated. Control is our go-to solution for so much. So if a kid seems to be 
misbehaving, we think we're not controlling them enough. Right, yeah. And then we get angry and we shout at them, and then we beat ourselves up for not having enough self-control. Right, yeah, we lost And then it. that feeds even... Now you're blaming yourself. Now you're blaming the children. Now you're blaming your partner for not backing you up. Now you're blaming <laughs> him for not putting the dishwasher away properly. Now, yeah. you know, your friend gets it because control was the fuel, if you like. Self-honesty can lead to some really difficult decisions. And so when I'm working again with a couple that have been married for 10, 20 years, whatever it is, and they're complaining to me about their partner, and they're trying to give me all of the blame-based stories, the fact that they're the victim, and let me tell you what he or she did, and how outrageous, I can't believe they're doing this and treating me this way. And then I will ask at some point, do you want to be in that marriage? And obviously everyone has a different answer, but some will say, well, no, I've not wanted to be there, you know, for a number of years. And if they say to me something like, I've not wanted to be there for two, three years, I can kind of double that because they're only admitting to the bit when they are happy to admit it, but there would have been two, three years of that compromise and working on it and all of that that comes before. So yeah. it could be six or more years out of that relationship that they've not wanted to be in it. Yeah. And so I then help them with is that you've got victim blame-based stories that were trying to get you to be honest about you don't want to be in that relationship. But yes, you're being in it yeah. for the children because of other reasons. I'm not saying that they're not right reasons. I'm just saying life gets more and more extreme the more dishonest you are with yourself. Mm. Because life is always trying to get you to be honest with yourself. It's the strongest force in nature. So whatever you put up in front of it, your self-honesty is constantly pushing forward. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.